tonight I think may just be a uh, just touching on something that the Lord willing at if it goes that way at whatever point I resume ministering on Thursday evenings I feel like this could be kind of the next topic uh, that we touch on for a little while and uh, so tonight I'm just gonna I just want to just share a few things the Lord has laid on my heart, and um, it is a very well-known topic. It is a very well-known subject, because it is the subject of prayer. And uh, so tonight, I just I want to just uh, maybe challenge, encourage, combination of things, Um with regards to this topic, the Lord willing, I know it's been a long time since there's been any kind of teaching on basically how to pray. Um, and if, 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 again, if it goes the way I suspect or feel right now, that will be a part of the context of, um, of where we go uh, in the future. But I know it's just one evening here, but I really feel like the Lord is just kind of been impressing some things upon me, for me personally. Some of you uh, here tonight are preachers. You preach, you have preached. Um, Let me tell you, if you think, and I know most of you are wise enough that you don't think this, but if you think that every topic a preacher preaches on, he has it mastered and is an expert at it, you are grossly mistaken. (laughs) Uh, in fact, one of the to me one of the biggest challenges of preaching and teaching is those times in which you know God is directing you to teach or preach something that you don't you don't do very well or you aren't you are you're struggling with and you have to lay that aside. I, I will tell you I don't mean this boastful. I really don't. Hopefully, it won't be taken that way. I know how to pray. I know I know how to pray. But I don't think I can tell you I pray the way I should as often as I should and consistently as I should. And I would be surprised if there's anyone amongst us that can't say a similar thing. There may be some of you that honestly could say that you are at a place of prayer. Your prayer life is where it's supposed to be. At the end of the day, I'm not sure we can ever pray too much. (laughs) In fact, I'm pretty sure we can never pray too much. So there's always growth and development. That's one of the awesome things to me about living for God, walking with God. It doesn't matter how deep your walk with God is, you've only scratched the surface. It doesn't matter how great the experiences you've had with God. You have only simply scratched the surface. I forget what it was recently. I feel like just the last couple of days I was listening to a message or reading something. Actually, I think it's a book I've been reading, if I'm not mistaken. But it was touching on the idea of, of the, the what do you do when you have given yourself, you have poured yourself into something and you succeed at what you have worked so hard to achieve, only to achieve it and then find out it's not as fulfilling or rewarding as you thought. 
You've given your life. I mean, athletes who have given their lives to a to a sports career and and end up some of them. It's not a great percentage, but a percentage of them end up winning the championship or the Super Bowl or the World Series only to find out after you've given your whole life to that. Ultimately, it can't fulfill. The bottom line is with things like that, you celebrate for a couple of days and then you're looking on. You are now the former or the reigning, but we're now looking to see who's going to be the next. That's why so many athletes, after their professional career, at the very least, get completely out of shape, overweight, and many end up depressed, addicted to things, and some even end up in suicide because what they have given themselves to, it can't fulfill. But Jesus is so amazing. And whether it's your and my personal walk with God, I will never reach the max of what is available. And then when it comes to ministry and what God does through you, I don't care what He's already done through you, you, there is so much more yet that He's going to do if you continue being faithful and walking with Him. So I want, to, I want to read a couple of verses to you here. There's, there's a word I want you to hear in these first couple of verses. The first one is Matthew 59, or excuse me, Matthew 5, 29. I'm combining the 5 and the 29 there. Matthew 5, verse 29. And if thy right hand offend thee, pluck it out. And cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body could be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off. And cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Matthew 19 and verse number 17. And he said unto them, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into eternal life, or if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Matthew 18 and 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Boy, there's a verse we could talk about tonight and never even get to the subject of prayer. You got a problem with your brother or your sister, you're supposed to go tell him. Not your best friends, not social media, not everybody else. You're supposed to go to them directly. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Matthew 5, 23. Therefore, if... Thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way first. Be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. There's a, there's a two-letter word that's been in every one of those verses. Anybody take a stab at it? Come on, get brave, somebody. You're all yelling, I can't hear one from the other. I hear go, nope. Well, that's, that's maybe there, it's not the one I'm talking about. Anybody else? 
if, if, if. I, I know the context of that word in each of these verses is a little bit different, but let's just focus on, on 523. If you bring your gift to the altar and there remembers that you're, if, if this happens, then go do this. We, we understand that the word if is a word of, it's a word of uncertainty. It's not a guarantee. We, we all have experienced ifs in our life. If this happens, if that happens, if this goes this way, if that goes this way, if I do this, if I do that, if. If. If you come to the all, if you choose to enter into life. Here's, but it's an if. I remember in high school, at Antioch Christian School, the curriculum we had was, was a, uh, you use these booklets to teach yourself. Basically, the teacher was there to assist you. But So most of our electives had been done the same way. And then about halfway through high school, I think it was, they started adding some electives that a teacher would sit and teach us. And, and uh, one of those was a computer class. And that's when... At that point in time, I had no interest in computers because I saw no value and benefit of a computer to me. What do I want that for? How short-sighted I was. I can't live without a computer now. And we had a guy who came in and he, and he taught us, the class, and we taught, he taught us basic programming. Not that it was basic programming. That was the name, basic and we learned how to do if-then statements. If this happens, then that. The Bible's got a number of those. In fact, I think one of the notable ones could be found in Second Chronicles 7.14, which has to do with prayer. If my people, if my people. Here's what I am capable and willing to do. But the question is, are my people going to pray? So if my people pray, then here's what I will do. Now, I want you to watch the difference now in what Jesus says in Matthew 6 and verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the, as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is in secret shall reward thee openly, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Anybody notice the word that's replaced if in these three verses? Jesus doesn't say if you pray. He said if you come to, the, if you come to pray and, and, and you know your brother's got all against you, if that happens, there is a chance that that may happen. 
And so if that happens, here's what you are supposed to do. Leave your gift at the altar. Go to your brother and make things right. But when Jesus addressed the subject of prayer, he didn't address it as if you do this. He said, when you do this. Because as believers, as disciples, as children of God, as saints, as Christians, whatever label you want to use, prayer is not supposed to be an if in our lives. It's supposed to be a when. When you pray. I wonder how many of us, if we were to be honest right now, it's more in our lives right now if I pray. And and here's the bottom line. When I'm talking about prayer this evening, when I'm referencing, I'm not talking about any one specific way to pray or any one context of prayer. I, I think there should be, when we pray, there should be times of when we pray that we have we have everything blocked out. We don't have our phones next to us. We're not checking our email, our text messages, our social media. We, we, we don't have other magazines and books and, and, and whatever else and we're by ourselves, and there's nobody else to distract us and it's us and Jesus whether that's 5 minutes, 20 minutes or several hours but then there's also prayer that takes place continually or can take place continually and I believe there is scriptural basis that shows us both of those should be a part of our lives We shouldn't punch the clock every morning, put in an hour of prayer, and then not talk to Jesus until the next morning. But neither should we skip a time of prayer where we are focused on Him and just simply passing conversation. It's really no different than a a relationship, especially a marriage. There's, There's a significant amount of time that goes by where my wife and I's communication is more so... In passing, it's a text message here and there. It's, it's, a, it's a passing couple of words and there's kids around and life's going on. But, but then there are those times where we need to sit down and she wants FaceTime. <laughs> I learned, I, I can't say I've done it extremely well, but six or seven years ago, I'd say now we were, we were in our last house and the way our last house was, there was, there was the kitchen and then kind of around the corner was my chair, and my chair faced, if the kitchen was there, my chair kind of faced in a direction over there, and, and she'd sit in the kitchen and talk to me, and I, I'm, I'm listening, I'm hearing everything she's saying. And one day, it finally, she reached max. And if I'm not mistaken, I think she just kind of mid-sentence stopped, if I remember how it went. She didn't yell at me, she did and I'm like... And I learned in that moment, she wasn't interested in just talking to me. She wanted to see me. She wanted to know I was looking at her. And again, I can't tell you I've done it perfectly, but I've tried many times now in those kinds of moments to go sit myself down near where I could see her and she could see me. Mission Barbecue... Milk duds, uh, if any of you ladies want to get any, you know, give me any gifts for that plug. I felt some, I felt some amens from some, from the ladies. They were, they were all wise enough and kind enough not to say them. I'm just kidding. 
So we, we need both. Again, I don't think it's one or the other. I don't think it's, well, I, I pray two hours every single morning, and, but when I get up from that two hours, I'm off to my life. I'll be back tomorrow. I'll be here, but if, you got to wait here, Jesus. But then I, I also don't think he's content with us. I think we ought to pray in the car. I think we ought to pray when we're at, at, on the job. I think we ought to pray when we're out walking, when we're ex- I, I think we ought to pray then, but let's be honest, how focused. So it's not one or the other. And Jesus says, when, when you pray. I've watched a number of quotes popping up on social media. So here we go, Nathaniel. Get, get, your, get, get, get ready. Here's your quote for the night. Prayer is not a religious activity to be done. It is a lifestyle to be lived. Say that again. Prayer is not a religious activity to be done. Check, I prayed. It's a lifestyle to live because, again, that lifestyle is sometimes I'm focused doing nothing else. He's got my undivided attention. But then there's some other times. I am in the car. I I am sitting at my desk doing other things. But I can be in communication with Him. That's a lifestyle. That's not a religious activity that I checked the box. I did it. I wonder how many of us in this room alone struggle with our prayer lives because we really see it basically as that. It's a religious activity. If it was a religious activity, then I'm sorry, but Jesus should have said, if you pray. But he didn't say, if you. He said, if this happens, do this. If that happens, if if you want to enter into life, if you want to enter into life, here's what you got to do. If your brother's got ought against you, if you, here's what you got to do. That may or may not happen. You may succeed at never offending anybody and never having to leave your gift at the altar. Probably not, but you might. He didn't say if you pray. He said when you pray. When. When you pray. Listen, listen, we we have this. I, 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 I feel like I preached, I think it was last, it was last year, I preached a message titled, uh, is the, the Terrible Majesty, I think was the title of it. The scripture talks about the terrible majesty of God. We, we've, we've done so much to make God so personal, and there's a big part of that that is extremely important. But I think at times we've done so much to make God so personal that we have lost some of the, the greatness and the awesomeness of God because we've made Him this little one-on-one buddy that we have. I don't know that I've ever done it, but I've heard people talking about prayer and they get two chairs and they sit two chairs face to face and you, and the, and the teacher, the preacher, whatever sits down and, and this is prayer and Jesus is sitting there and you have this nice little converse and you do and that, that is a part of prayer. Or, sorry, I'm jumping ahead of points here. He, he is that personal. He is that, he is absolutely. 
But there's another part of God that we owe it to ourselves to remember, and that is His terrible majesty. If you, you, you may or may not recall, but that message, God gave me that message as a result of, of, of hearing we were at the National Prayer Breakfast and a guy whose organization is about trying to, uh, to, to stop slavery, and slavery is not a problem of the past. Slavery is a worldwide problem today. And he says every morning, every morning of the work week, their entire office sits for 30 minutes in silence. And this is where I was reminded of that term, contemplating the terrible majesty of God. That brings a soberness. It, it brings an awe and a reverence that if all we ever do is focus on Jesus in the chair as my buddy, We never get there, and we need that side. In fact, it is, it is that, it is that one-on-one fellowship that causes me not to be scared to death of His terrible majesty. But it's also His terrible majesty that reminds me in this one-on-one thing. This isn't just my buddy here. There is a way that Timothy and Nathaniel can talk to each other and it's no problem because they are brothers. But there's some communication that can take place between Timothy and Nathaniel that that same communication takes place between them and me. We got a problem. Hold on a second. I'm not your brother. There's some ways those two girls can talk to each other. Not that they do, but they could. <coughs> that if they ref- if they talk to their mother in that same tone, uh, excuse me, you're not talking to your sister now. There is a balance that we need. And I believe we've done the same thing with prayer. We have made it such a such a just wonderful, lovely little practical thing that we have lost the reverence of the awesomeness of what prayer is. In fact, prayer is really the greatest privilege every one of us have. And you know what is amazing about it is it... It is, it, is the, it is basically the one thing, at least that I can think of right now, where there is no limit to the access that anyone can have. Let's be honest. It, 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 whether it's this country or other countries, everybody doesn't have the same access. Everybody doesn't get the same chances. Everybody doesn't get the same breaks. But when it comes to prayer, every individual... Educated or uneducated, rich or poor, young or old, has the ability to come boldly before the throne of grace and have a one-on-one encounter and communication with Jesus Christ that has the ability to impact eternity. Do I think we need to know that prayer is and can be simple conversation between two friends? Absolutely. But let's not lose sight of the amazing aspect of what prayer is all about. Not as a religious obligation, but as a lifestyle that we are able to participate in. 
I think part of the reason we struggle so much with prayer is because we are, we are so used to putting everything in a success or failure category. And I think one of the challenges of prayer is you can pray effectively and ultimately have no idea that you just prayed effectively. Because we don't always see the results of what our prayer does. We don't always see things change immediately or directly because of our prayer. But, but let me just, I, want, I hope somebody would be encouraged by this. Let me just show you God's feelings. This to me demonstrates God's feelings about prayer. Revelation 5 and 7. And this is, I know this is in all that revelation. Seals and horns and tribute, all this, all this stuff that most of us, we don't have a clue what it really means. Some people try, and the more they try, the more they get whacked out. I'm, there's nothing, if you, I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean that disrespectfully. Obviously, revelation is a part of the Word of God, but if we're not careful, we can, we can end up interpreting from our own perspective. But but listen, in the middle of all, I mean, there's even a couple. He came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb. Watch this, watch this. Are you reading somewhere on your own device or up on the screen? Watch this. They, they fell down before the Lamb having every one of them harps and golden vials Full of odors. Now, 2020, odor is not an positive word. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure most of us, we hear the, the term odor, and that, that's, that ha- body odor. The context here is not body odors. It's an aroma, a pleasant aroma. A golden vial full of odors. What were these odors? What was this aroma? The prayers of the saints. Do you know what that means? Every prayer that you prayed is not a finite, temporal, momentary thing. Every prayer you pray, God collects it up. And there's coming a point in which that's all going to be brought before Him as a part of eternity. Watch this, Revelation 8 and 1, something very similar. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne and the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. this This is all revelation. This is all end time. This is all all that stuff. There was an angel that came and stood at the altar having a golden censer and it was given unto him and was given unto him much incense that he would Offer it with the prayers. He wasn't praying for the saints. He was offering this incense with the prayer of all saints. Of what saints? How many saints? 
That implies to me that for all of time, God has been gathering up and collecting the prayers of the... It's no wonder the enemy tries to battle us and keep us from praying. It's no wonder he tries to discourage us in our praying. It's, it's no wonder because he understands the, not only the potential of what it can do here and now, but he understands the value that God places upon it. Sister Brenda, it's your night to get picked on. Only Jesus knows how many hours you have spent and spend down there in that prayer room. And every one of those prayers, just every one of those prayers is gathered up. It's all gathered. It's not one prayer, Sister Brenda, that's ever been wasted. There's not one moment in that prayer room where you were just, you, you may not have always felt or heard or sensed or But not one moment, not one, and in eternity, in eternity, I don't know about you, but I don't want a partially full vial. I don't want a vial that the angels got to shake to get a little bit out of it. I, I, I want a vial that as soon as the top is popped off of it. I want a vial that at that moment there is just bursting forth out of that vial, my prayers. And I'm talking about all, again, I'm talking about all ways to pray, but all types of prayer. Spiritual warfare, fellowship, communion, whatever you, all of it, all of it. He, he, he gathered up all the prayers of the saints. What think? Think. Let's all think. Let's all, yeah, let's, all, let's all think about what we did today. Think about your. Think about work. Some of you maybe at work. Some of you maybe you were home. Whatever. Think about what you did today. Think about how many things you and I did today that are absolutely, completely, totally temporal. Totally temporal. That have absolutely nothing to do with anything eternal. Anything that's going to... And some of that, I'm not saying that to be unkind, some of that, in a lot of ways, you don't have a choice. I don't, mean, I don't mean that in the sense that you were being carnal all. I don't mean it that way. Some of you had to go to work. How much of what you did at work today had any kind of eternal value? I know I work at the church. I know that's my full-time job. But if you think everything I do is all spiritual, you are crazy. I wish it was. You understand that every. Prayer, every prayer, every prayer, every prayer. I mean, according to that, Lord, thank you for this food that you've blessed us to be able to partake of. Bless it to the nourishment of our bodies. As simple as that is.
It's not a religious activity. Listen to what, listen to what David said. Here, here's what's amazing. What David said ties into revelation that came after what he said. But then in a moment you'll see where it also ties into what came before. Psalm 141 and 1. Lord, I cry unto thee. Make haste unto me. Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Now let, look, look at this. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Revelation talks about the prayers, the incense, the odor of the of, of, of the prayers of the saints and that being open and brought before God. And then, and then David saying, let my, let my prayers, let my prayers be set before thee as incense. We, we, we got any, um, not in a religious context, in a very natural context. We have any candle burners here this evening? Anybody do, anybody do candles? Why? Why do you burn those candles? Smells good. It gives an aroma. It gives an odor. It smells good. Any of you got your favorite scent? Ah, why? Because it, it sm- there's something, there's something just invigorating about that aroma. I think I finally got her to stop doing it. We, it seems like maybe when Yankee Candle first started becoming popular, at least that I remember it becoming popular, one of the worst inventions there ever has been is food-scented candles. Who is the practical joker that invented blueberry-scented candles? Do you know what it's like? Maybe you've never had this unfortunate experience of walking into the house after you've been at work all day and you walk in the door. Ooh. Oh. She was awaiting my... There's muffins. Fresh muffins. I don't even have to look to see where the kitchen is. I can just follow my nose. And I get in there and there's a stupid Yankee candle with blueberries on it. What is this? Don't burn no, at least the foods I like. I don't, maybe the ones I don't care, but don't burn no foods. Apple pie and be doing none of that. David said, let my prayers let, let, let me you know what do you think if you're griping and complaining to god all the time god's going mm, give me some more of that oh. I, I i wonder how many of us when we come around and start talking god starts going oh my goodness every now and then something seems like once every couple of months somebody will be cooking in our kitchen and 
and it'll get kind of smoky and it'll, it'll set off the smoke detectors and, and then they'll start chirping to each other and the whole, and so I'll get a, I'll get a cookie sheet and I'll stand there and trying to blow all that odor away. But that's what God may do with some of us because we don't really pray. We just have our griping and groaning times. But your, your prayer, your prayer, your prayer has the potential of being something that God just, just kind of sits there and just goes, oh, that's, that's what I like. That's what I love. That's what your prayers are. Where did David get that from? Jameson Fawcett and Brown says this, Before thee, let it come before thee as incense. Incense with its sweet perfume is the symbol of prayer accepted before God. The time of offering in, in the time of offering the incense was morning and evening, and it was chosen for the time of prayer. The biblical illustrator says this, the incense of prayer. The temple was divided into three courts, the outer court, the holy place, and the holiest of all. The altar of incense stood in the second of these, the holy place. The altar of burnt offering stood in the court without. It was not until that altar with its expiatory sacrifice, with its, yes, had been passed that one could enter into the holy place where the altar of incense stood. There were three pieces of furniture in that place. The altar of incense, the golden candlestick, and the table of showbread. Of these three, the altar of incense stood in the center. Twice a day, the incense was kindled upon it by a priest by means of live coals brought from the altar of burnt offering in the outer court, and thus kindled the wreaths of fragrant smoke ascended on high, All day long the incense smoldered upon the altar. Twice a day it was kindled into a bright flame. Get this for a moment. This, This holy place. There's these three things. And one of them being the altar of incense. It was at the It was at the center. And two times... Two times a day, the priest would stoke that fire, would add fire to that, would cause it to, 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 to be invigorated, to, to, to be stirred up twice. You know what that's kind of like? That focused, private, dedicated prayer. Because that other kind of prayer that's continual and just throughout the day is fueled by that focus time. Priests would come and bring that fire from the altar, from the, the brazen altar, the altar of sacrifice, and then bring it to the altar of incense. Thus kindled the wreaths of fragrant smoke twice a day. Watch this, Exodus 30 and 1. And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon of shy T-T-I-M wood, shalt thou make it. A cupid shalt, a cu- cupid, not cupid, a cubit 
shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof. Four square shall it be, and two cubits shall be the height thereof, and the horns thereof shall be of the same. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof, and the sides thereof round about, and the horns thereof, and the and thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about, and two golden rings shalt thou make it under make to it under the crown of of it by the two corners thereof upon the two sides of it shalt thou make it and they shall be for places for the staves to bear it with all and thou shalt make the staves of the same wood and overlay them with gold and thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony before the mercy seat that is the over that is over the testimony where i will meet with thee and aaron shall burn in shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning when he dressed the lamps he shall burn incense upon it and when aaron Light at the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it. So again, there are these two times of the day where he is, he is kindling that fire. He is stirring that fire up. But watch, look at what the rest of the verse says. It's going to be a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. The New Century Version says that this way. He must burn incense again in the evening when, the, when he lights the lamps. So incense will burn before the Lord every day from now on. It wasn't just a morning time spray of Febreze to give a little bit of aroma. And then we're going to come back in the evening with another squirt of Febreze and just freshen up the odors. Two times a day that fire was kindled. Two times a day it was burning brightly. But the Lord says, I want it to be perpetual. I don't want there to just be a fire in the morning and a fire in the evening. I want that incense to be rising up before me all day long, and not just for your time, but from now on. How about what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17? Pray without ceasing. You need to stoke that fire. You need to have that focused time where it's you and Jesus. Everything else is blocked out. Everything else is shut out. You need to make sure that fire is burning. But when you leave that place, the incense should still be rising. I've heard my dad do this I don't know how long now, and I've, I find myself doing it. I, I don't know that my kids hear me doing it because I'm, I'm a little bit shy. I hear my dad over the last couple of months, several times, my sons and I played golf with my dad and a couple of times were early in the morning, much to their dismay. You know how older people, I didn't say old people, older people. I'm pretty much, it's pretty much a given anytime I'm going to go someplace with my dad in his car now, I will be driving. And early in the morning, I'd just soon be in the passenger seat because I can sleep anywhere like that. There have been a couple times throughout that over the last couple of months. But even beyond that, I'll just, I hear him over there in the seat. Thank you, Father. Thank you. For, he won't say anything else. doesn't say for what. 
Doesn't ex- he just simply, thank you, Father. You know what that is? Some incense. Why? Because it's not a religious activity. It's not something to be checked off that I did my religious duties today. It's an aroma. It's a fragrance. Oh, may the fire on my altar never, never, never burn out. I I, I wind down with this. Again, there was three parts. There's the outer court. There's the holy place. There's the holy of holies. Where was that altar of incense? Come on, y'all. Brother you, you can't tell this. Brother you's the tabernacle, resident tabernacle expert. Come on, I hear some half-hearted, sheepish, re- holy place. That, that, that altar of incense was in the holy place. Outer court, holy place, holy of holies. You and I are made up of three parts. Body, soul, spirit. Body, outer court. Soul, holy place. Spirit, holy of holies. Where was the altar of incense? In the holy place. What does that relate to? My soul. There should be a continual connection between my inner man and God. There was other stuff that went on in that outer court. There was other activities that went on surrounding that tent. But in that holy place, there was a constant aroma that represented prayer and worship that was going up before God. And so again... You and I are now the temple of the Holy Ghost. You and I are now that dwelling place. And in our Holy of Holies, God is residing if we've got the Holy Ghost. But there is my soul should have that constant communication. It's not a religious activity. It is a lifestyle. I wish, I wish I felt more qualified to teach this tonight than I do. Again, I believe that I know how to pray, and I pray. But I've just been feeling challenged lately. That that connection needs to be continually maintain if Paul says that we are to pray without ceasing and in a couple of his other epistles he says some he says a very similar thing not in those exact words but he'll say something along those same lines if we are supposed to pray without ceasing then obviously there's more to prayer than you down on your knees in your prayer room Obviously, there's more to prayer than you being at the altar on your knees because we can't live there. But yet we can live in 
a constant contact where there is a continual aroma. Anybody got any ever had? If you do right now, you may not want to respond because we somebody may guess who you're talking about. But you got any one of those ever had one of those people when your phone rings and you look at the caller ID, your response is what do they want now? All parents of adult children. No, just kidding. But seriously, you ever had somebody where you knew, you and you were absolutely correct, it wasn't spiritual discernment, it wasn't the gifts of the Spirit. You knew, what do they want now? Oh, I don't know about you, but I sure don't want God's perception of me. To be whenever he sees me coming. Well, what does he want now? Well, what does he need now? Because I develop a pattern where the only time I stoke the fire is when I am in desperate need of something right now. How many of you sitting here, how many of you watching right now at home have got some stuff you're dealing with, you're frustrated over, you're discouraged over. But if you were to be honest, you would have to acknowledge, I really haven't put much time in prayer about it. I've talked to a lot of people about it. I've sought a lot of counsel from a lot of people. I've blown off a lot of steam, to a, but have I really spent time with Jesus? said this before, maybe not this exact way, but the gist. There are things that we may do, we may not do. There are some things we could eliminate. As a church, there are some things we could eliminate. As individuals, there are some things we could potentially eliminate and still be okay. But prayer... is one of the things that we absolutely cannot live without. I, I really pray, I'm, I'm closing, but I really pray for those of you that are sitting here, and again, those of you that are watching right now, I, 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 the, I, I did not want to come in here tonight and, and express what I felt like the Lord gave me as a, as a rebuke or as a chastisement. Because again, I, I, I hope somehow you, you've gotten reminded or maybe some of you this is the first time that maybe you've gotten a glimpse of the absolute awesome, amazing potential of prayer. Of the value of it. I, I, we, all have, we all have things in our lives that we do regularly because we have to do them. We have no other option. Household chores, job responsibilities, that you do them and you, you do them faithfully. You do them 
Several mornings a week, you can, if it's not raining, you can pretty much guarantee Brother Johnson is going to be riding the riding mower, cutting the grass. I, I, I may be wrong, but I, I'm kind of doubting that's his favorite thing in the world to do. I mean, I enjoy yard work and things, but there are also some tasks that you just do them because you have to do them. Oh, God. Never let it be that our attitude towards prayer is, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pray. I am. I'm going to pray every day because I have to pray. No, no, no. You mean every day? You mean not just one time a day? You mean throughout the day I can add to my vial? (laughs) Do you mean that all throughout my day I can add... I, 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 I want to reach the point where they just decide to keep the top off my vial. Because there's so much getting poured in, they don't want to close it up and open it and close it. And I know I'm being a little bit elementary here. I know that, but... Wow. I, there's a lot of things I do. There's a lot of things ministry-wise and then a lot of things, naturally speaking, I do that I enjoy doing. I love to do them. But they're not going to be released in eternity. They're not going to be brought before the throne in eternity. But every prayer. Again, I know we we get so focused when it comes to prayer about the results, about answered prayer. And we get discouraged because we don't get answered prayer. How many of you have unanswered prayers? How many of you have unanswered prayers? Every now and then I get lucky. Every now and then I get lucky and get a trick question in like the bishop. There's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. There's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. Because I would venture to say, most of you that raise your hand, it's an unanswered prayer because God has not done what you ask Him to do. So it's unanswered. Because, of course, the only answer to my prayers is what? What I ask for. What other answer is there? And until He does what I ask, then I have unanswered prayer. Exactly. Watch this. Nathaniel, do me a favor, help me out. Ask me for a hundred dollar bill right now. Did he get an answer? Did you? I mean, I think there was, even though he knew what was going on, I saw a little bit of spark that maybe, just maybe. I didn't have to say anything. I gave him an answer. And I realized you can't see your heavenly father's face. And so if he's being silent, maybe what he's doing is. And yet, what do we think? I didn't get an answer. So I quit praying because I didn't get my prayer answered, but I got my prayer answered. It was a silent no, because no is just as much an answer to prayer as yes is. 
And sometimes no is the absolute best answer we could get. Because if we would have gotten the yes that we wanted, it would have ended up causing things we didn't want. I've watched people that have begged God for better jobs, making more money, and and bugged Him to the point that He finally opened the door. And I've watched them walk through that door, ultimately at the expense of their soul. Because He had tried to tell them no, and they just kept pressing. The children of Israel did that. We want meat. We had meat. We had meat. We don't want manna. We had meat. We're tired of manna. Manna, 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 every day. Say that long enough, you might start speaking in tongues. We don't want manna. We're tired of manna. We had meat. You know what God says? You want some meat? I'm going to give you some meat. God sent quail, wasn't it quail? Piled them up. Piled them up around the camp. They ate so much, the Bible says it started coming out of their nose. Nose or ears, I think nose. Read it. I'm not making, not, not the message Bible, the King James. They finally got God to give them what they wanted, but when they finally got what they wanted that God didn't want to give them, they didn't want it. But they got it. One of the most powerful statements I've ever heard in my life was the one Sister Angie Millette made during the But God testimonies. The blessing of unanswered prayer. I'll paraphrase it. The blessing of a no. Don't stop praying just because God didn't do what you wanted the way you wanted. Don't stop praying because you haven't gotten the answers you wanted. Because God's probably doing something much more valuable and beneficial than if He'd have given you what you wanted. Father, help us. God, I acknowledge I acknowledge in front of this congregation, Lord, it is, it is a trap to fall into, that I have fallen into plenty of times of prayer, fellowship, communication with you becoming a religious obligation, a religious duty. But, oh God, your word communicates that prayer is so much more than that. The power, the potential the awesomeness of what we can experience in prayer, not just about the answered prayers of seeing you do what we ask, but the the communion, the fellowship, the impact that that has on us in our lives. What an amazing privilege and opportunity. God, I pray for every person that's a part of this congregation. I pray, God, starting with me, that you would let there be a renewed spirit of prayer in our lives again God not just just some kind of religious ritual religious devotion that we do but true fellowship and communion and not just in a set time a day but that there would be a perpetual incense that is rising from our lives in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ father I I pray for somebody that may be sitting here or somebody that may be watching tonight that they're struggling with their prayer life right now because the enemy has bombarded them so much with discouragement over what seems to be an ineffectiveness. 
to their prayers. God, I pray that you would touch them and strengthen them. I I pray that you would let there be a realigning of their vision, Lord, that that we, we don't measure what we're doing. We don't measure the impact and the effectiveness of our prayer by all of the tangible results. When we pray, we're participating in something that's eternal and we may not be able to see in the temporal dimension what is done in the internal dimension, but it doesn't take away from the power and the effectiveness of it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God, as we've already sung, I pray as my prayer and believe others would join with me, don't let the fire on this altar burn out. I want to be a house of prayer. I want my life to be able to be classified as a house of prayer. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I, I've heard, I, I close with this. I, there, we went through a season. In fact, there was, there was an individual that preached here. Some of you will know who I'm talking about without any names or whatever. But there was such a major focus on early morning prayer. And basically, you were supposed to pray before the sun came up. And, 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 and there was a huge emphasis on that. Can I, I can I be transparent with you? Not that I ever do anything less. I, I've struggled many times through the years that if I wasn't up praying before the sun came up, then then prayer any other time was useless. And I don't think that's the case. In fact, I'm just going to say it to you like this: If you get up before the sun rises but you sit there and fall asleep during your prayer time. But if you're more of a night owl and you can sit there at night at 11 o'clock at night and talk to Jesus and stay awake, it's not about when you pray, it's about you praying. If you don't pray before the sun comes up, but you can find time in the afternoon someplace to get with Jesus, get with Jesus in the afternoon. I know we need to seek first the I know all of that, but again, let's not miss what we can do because we always don't get it exactly the way we think we should do it. Just pray. Just pray. Just let that aroma come up from your life. Just let that incense be offered perpetually. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Thank you. Again, for being here this evening.